Welcome dear listeners, Celeste speaking. And today I'm going to be talking about arthritis. How many of you are suffering from this chronic disease, arthritis? I can assure you there must be a lot of you out there, young and old. So what I'm going to do today is just discuss with you about the facts about arthritis as well as the treatment program and also about mindset. Right. Can rheumatoid arthritis be caused by stress? Yes. It is a chronic inflammatory joint condition and an autoimmune disease that can be caused by long-term stress. Now, stress triggers rheumatoid arthritis by setting off the immune system's inflammatory response in which cytokines are released. Cytokines are chemicals that play an important role in inflammation and can increase the severity of rheumatoid arthritis in many patients. The greater the exposure to stress, the greater the inflammation which triggers a rheumatoid arthritis flare. Now most of you who have arthritis, there are different types of arthritis of course, there are about over a hundred different types, but the fact is one has the good and the bad days and when you do have flare-ups it can be extremely painful as well as it prohibits you from performing normal daily duties. And of course, can you imagine sitting at your work desk in chronic pain? It's not a fun situation. However, the fact is at the moment there is no definite cure for arthritis. But treatment can make its symptoms or the pain and swelling disappear for a while. The symptom-free period is referred to as remission. A remission is followed by the reappearance of symptoms, which is a period known as a flare-up. Now, most forms of arthritis are thought to be caused by a fault in the immune system that causes the body to attack its own tissues in the joints. This may be inherited genetically and other forms of arthritis can also be caused by problems with the immune system or by a metabolic condition such as gout. Now, ladies, if you go through the highs and lows of dieting, losing a lot of weight quickly and then gaining weight again, and it's a vicious circle, and then Secondly, if you have continuous stress, you know, things like divorces, separation, abuse, um, losing a loved one, uh, stress amongst people in the family or being mobbed at work. You know, this is an accumulation of stress which attacks the immune system. If you're continuously getting flu or colds or if you had even COVID recently or you've had a two or three times, you know, this buggers up your immune system, sorry for my expression, but it causes havoc 
in your body and if it's not treated you know you might get secondary problems like arthritis even under the age of 50 or under the age of 40. Well, let's get into these facts now that you understand exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, of course, we know that environmental factors also contribute to the development of osteoarthritis, which includes obesity, which puts added strain on your joints. Activities that involve repetitive movements of a particular joint. If you're a tennis player for many years, or you play squash, or you're a footballer, um, or you've done gymnastics from an early age, all these things actually put a lot of strain on your joints. Um, even previous damage to a joint, such as from a sports injury, can also contribute towards arthritis. And of course, you are more likely to develop arthritis if you smoke and if you don't do enough physical activity. Now, keep on emphasizing many people are there to do exercise, even if it's passive exercise, at least it's better than not doing anything. Right, now arthritis, which is caused by an infection, is called reactive arthritis. And it's very difficult to diagnose and can develop at any age, but is more commonly seen in younger people. Reactive arthritis can last between a few weeks to six months. Now the question is, how common is arthritis? More than 350 million people have arthritis globally. And in the United States, one in four adults has arthritis. Now, I'm just reading the statistics which I have received here. They say an estimated 58.5 million U.S. adults have arthritis. And experts believe that the number will grow as our nation's population gets older. Arthritis is a leading cause of work disability amongst American adults and roughly 25.7 million adults are limited in their usual activities because of arthritis. Now again they say that the highest rates were observed in Russia 38% for men and 17% for women. And according to the Russian medical authorities, they say actually it's more prevalent amongst those with least education and in separations or divorces or widowed women. But this is only the Russian statistic. Now, what causes arthritis to occur? Factors in the development of arthritis include injury, abnormal metabolism, genetic makeup, infections, and again, immune system dysfunction. Treatment aims to control pain, minimize joint damage, and improve or maintain the quality of life. 
It will involve medications, physical therapies and patient education and support. Now, at the end of this podcast, I'll give you a couple of treatment possibilities. I won't give them to you right now, but towards the end. And you'll be surprised at what can actually benefit you in the long run, which is not often discussed. But let's take a look here. Where actually is arthritis most common in the body? Now, not everyone with osteoarthritis will feel pain. Um, It could be most commonly in the hands, the lower back, the neck, and the weight-bearing joints such as knees, hips, and feet. And again, arthritis is not a single disease. I mentioned at the beginning there are about over a hundred types of arthritis and related rheumatic conditions. So it's important to be accurately diagnosed and know what type of arthritis you have so that you can begin an appropriate course of treatment. Please do not think that arthritis will just disappear on its own. Educate yourself about arthritis because it can be extremely serious if left untreated. Um, Yes, it will attack the immune system. And if the immune system gets attacked on a continuous basis, then all kinds of secondary uh, problems will emerge. What are the symptoms of arthritis? The symptoms of arthritis will vary, of course, from person to person. But if you have it, you will almost certainly have symptoms relating to your joints, such as pain, swelling in a joint, redness and warmth in a joint, stiffness or reduced movement of a joint. Some people get other problems outside their joints. Some of these problems could be tiredness, weight loss, feeling unwell, depression is also one of them. And I would like to now mention some interesting facts that you need to know and understand about this problem of arthritis. Number one, arthritis is not a single disease, which I have mentioned at the beginning. And there is no known cure for most types of arthritis, unfortunately. Um, Except for some forms of arthritis, like Lyme arthritis, which can be curable with antibiotics. But there is no single medication or treatment that will cure most types of arthritis. It might sound at the moment disappointing, and you might feel oh dear, what must I do? How long will I have to live? All these bad negative thoughts will go through your head, of course, at this stage. But please, don't panic. Stay calm, okay? There are treatment options that can help manage the pain and control the symptoms and slow the disease progression as well as reduce the joint damage or deformity. But 
they don't cure arthritis, but we can try to treat it as best as we can. Never give up on hope, please. Now, there are myths and misconceptions, this is number three, about arthritis, which can interfere with treatment. Have you heard everyone out there that arthritis only affects old people? I can guarantee most of you think it only affects old people, that it's only old people that get it. This is not true. I know personally many young people who do have arthritis, so this is a myth. Do you think that arthritis causes only minor aches and pains? Also not true. Have you heard that common forms of arthritis can be cured by changes in your diet? What rare forms of arthritis such as arthropathy associated with celiac disease can effectively be cured with a gluten-free diet? This claim is inapplicable to the vast majority of cases. And is of course inaccurate information which can keep you from managing the disease properly. Be sure to educate yourself about the true facts. We come to number four. Should I see a rheumatologist for my arthritis? Of course your primary care doctor can refer you to a rheumatologist or you can get an appointment through self-referral if your health insurance allows it. But it is important that you determine your type of arthritis and start a reasonable treatment plan. Number five, early diagnosis and treatment for arthritis is essential. Because there are various types of arthritis and many treatment options, it's important to be probably um, aware that the correct diagnosis and treatment early in the course of a disease is recommendable. Delaying diagnosis and treatment may allow the arthritis symptoms to worsen. We do not want them to get worse. We want them to be stopped in its track that we can manage our lives efficiently. So early diagnosis and treatment will offer the best chance of preventing joint damage and disability. I'm going to repeat this joint damage and disability you do not want to end up like a cripple at the age of 50 or 60 um, that's not fun at all and we want to have at least a healthy old age as well eventually without all that pain and disability now finding optimal arthritis treatment requires so often trial and error it's important to remember that patients vary in their response to arthritis medications or other arthritis treatments. What works for one person may not work for another. So please find the safest and most effective medication or combination of medications. You'll just have to weigh the benefits versus the risks. Now we come to number seven, a healthy lifestyle and good habits can positively impact arthritis. Regular exercise, and I mean regular exercise, on a daily basis. Maintaining your ideal weight. Stress reduction. Stress is a killer. 
not only for arthritis but many other kinds of diseases. And of course being a non-smoker will help you as well and getting sufficient high quality sleep are all important for living well with arthritis. Now we come to number eight, the emotional impact of arthritis goes beyond physical limitations. So many emotions are stirred when you live with chronic pain. Anger, resentment, depression, anxiety, isolation and fear are just a very few. It's important for you and your loved ones to realize that the impact of arthritis goes beyond any kind of physical limitations. We come to point number nine, the cost of arthritis is high. Arthritis and related rheumatic conditions are recognized as the leading cause of disability in the United States. According to statistics from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the total medical cost of arthritis is $140 billion per year and it's still rising. For medical expenses and lost wages combined due to arthritis, the cost is $303.5 billion per year and as I say, it's still rising. Number 10. Arthritis can cause functional limitations that interfere with daily activities. More than 43,5%, that's about 23.7 million adults with doctor-diagnosed arthritis report arthritis attributable activity limitations. And some of these limitations affect the usual activities of daily living which require bending, stooping, walking and climbing stairs, cooking, cleaning, personal hygiene and other usual activities which may be affected and can cause anxiety, fears, depression and a lot of mental disorders. Now, there are another 10 things which I would like to discuss with you. Things to stop doing if you have arthritis. The mindset is as important as medication. Living with chronic pain and other debilitating symptoms of arthritis is so tough. Even if you are working with an amazing doctor or healthcare provider and have a tailor-made and effective treatment plan, it sometimes can be easy to fall off track and develop bad habits or a negative attitude. These are all problems you can overcome though and here are 10 ways to do that. Stop thinking you can't exercise. Many people who have arthritis are afraid if they are active they will have more pain and so they just don't get any exercise. And this may be one of the biggest misconceptions about arthritis. And at the same time, it's an ironic idea because 
Inactivity actually makes pain and disability from arthritis worse over time, while regular exercise keeps the joints moving and prevents stiffness, strengthens the muscles around the joints and improves mobility. How about joining a health club and doing yoga, passive yoga, or, you know, going out there and uh, taking a walk or do Nordic walking, swimming, you know, get into the habit of doing regular exercise. So if you have been sedentary out of fear, you'll make your arthritis worse. Again, talk to your local gym or your healthcare provider to make sure it's okay to exercise. And then start slowly with gentle, joint-friendly movements. It's fine to respect your arthritis pain, but you don't have to let it stop you. As I say, exercise regularly. And it can help you with your balance, keeping your muscles strong to support the joints. It will reduce the joint stiffness, reduces the pain and tension in your joints. You can even use elastic bands. That's fantastic. Decreases fatigue and depression, keeping you mobile, giving you confidence in yourself again, boosting your energy and mood, and of course, improving sleep. The type of exercise that is best for you will depend on the type of arthritis that you have. So it is important to find the right type and level of exercise. Try to be realistic about the amount of exercise you are able to do and choose an activity you enjoy. There are three types of exercise that combine to make up a good fitness program. Very simple actually. The range of movement. This helps improve strength and flexibility and promotes good posture. Try swimming, Tai Chi, Qigong and golf. Strengthening. This will help build the muscles which in turn provide better support for your joints like light weight training. Aerobic. This raises your heartbeat which helps to improve your level of fitness by strengthening your heart. Some of the best forms of aerobic exercise are brisk walking, cycling and tennis. Of course, you may experience some pain when you first start a new exercise program. This is often due to new muscles being used. However, if you feel pain for longer than two hours after exercising or you have any pain in the joints, again consult your doctor or physiotherapist before doing the exercise again. If you have osteoarthritis, a moderate exercise program is far more beneficial than a strenuous program. Too much exercise can cause further pain and joint degeneration, so don't overdo it. Try to do small exercises every day to improve your range of movement, but please never force a painful joint. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, make sure you get the right balance between rest and activity. Exercise when you are least tired and try to do small exercises every day in every joint. Swimming and cycling are good low impact choices. 
You can still exercise during the flare-up, but you should reduce the intensity of your workout. Now, please try to remember one thing, which is important. Don't give in to a sedentary lifestyle. Not only do some people with arthritis think they can't exercise, but they also believe they need to be more sedentary than is necessary. It's all in the mind. Of course, it's important to take it easy after an especially active day or when your body is telling you to, but it shouldn't become your way of life or your fixed mindset. Stop eating an unhealthy diet. What's your diet got to do with arthritis? Good question. Eating well and maintaining your ideal weight is especially important if you have arthritis. Excess pounds can put lots of stress on weight-bearing joints, which is likely to make arthritis pain even worse. Even moderate weight gain can stress the joints that are already burdened by arthritis. Stop ignoring your physical limitations. Just as there are people with arthritis who aren't active at all, there are those who push beyond their limits. The trick is to pace your activities. Overdoing it is just as harmful as underdoing it. And pushing your limits can increase pain, which I've already mentioned before, and put you at higher risk of joint damage. We don't want that. Respect the pain and choose activities with your physical limitations in mind. Now, the fourth point here is stop avoiding mobility aids. A cane, a walker or wheelchair may be necessary for some people with arthritis to stay independent and get around on their own. Understandably, it can be tough to think about needing some sort of mobility aid. But if you do need one and don't use it, you risk missing out on things you would enjoy. A cane or wheelchair doesn't define who you are and no one will judge you or think less of you for using one. Here's another point which I'd like to mention, point five. In fact, you will probably be admired for getting out there and having fun in spite of needing a little help. So what I want to actually tell you right now is Stop thinking your arthritis will just go away on its own. Many forms of arthritis are chronic diseases, meaning they can't be cured. As tough as it is to accept this, it's important to try. By being realistic about arthritis from the beginning, from seeing a healthcare provider as soon as you have symptoms, so you can begin treatment quickly. To understanding the condition isn't going away, you'll be able to make decisions that will keep you as healthy and active as possible. Also stop fearing medications that may help. Arthritis patients sometimes avoid painkillers because they are afraid they will become addicted to them or they choose not to use 
biologic drugs because they fear potential serious side effects. Don't be naive. Remember that your healthcare provider would never prescribe something that might hurt you or that you could become dependent on as long as you take it as directed. Make sure you understand when and how much of your medication you should take and how you should take it, with or without food for example. And your arthritis meds should do nothing more than make it easier for you to live comfortably. Stop withholding information from your healthcare provider. It's tempting not to tell your healthcare provider everything, especially if you are afraid you will have to go through unpleasant testing or have to change the treatment regimen you are comfortable with. But in order for your healthcare provider to have the best chance of helping you, he or she needs to know everything. Talk openly about what makes your condition better or worse, what concerns you have and what you don't understand. Now stop feeling guilty about your condition. Arthritis can intrude on life. It can prevent you from doing some of the most mundane and normal things such as taking care of your responsibilities at home or work. You may start to feel guilty when you can't do what you believe is expected of you. Be honest. If you are struggling, the people who love you and care for you will understand and will be happy to help you work around your limitations. We are human after all, aren't we? And stop asking, why me? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. There's no question about it. Arthritis can change your life in some tough to swallow ways, believe you me. When you are in a lot of pain or having a particularly bad day, it's only human to find yourself wondering why you have been given this challenge and what you did to deserve such an unfair lot in life. Find ways to steer clear of this kind of thinking. It won't change anything, and it may even make things worse. A counsellor or therapist can help guide you to a more positive mindset if you are struggling to find a way there yourself. I know a lot of people who have done sport all their lives, who have been very active as well at work, in the social activities, and all of a sudden they get diagnosed as having arthritis. Their whole world falls apart. And this is a time when you need to really pick yourself up and surround yourself with very supportive people who understand what it is to have arthritis and the pain that you're going through, not only mentally, because now you're also suffering from the physical and spiritual aspects. And this is a time you really have to start thinking about your treatment program. But we're going to get to that at the end of this podcast. So not all is lost out there. How to manage those horrible flare-ups. Now imagine, you go through a phase where everything is in remission. You're happy, everything is going back to normal. You can do the things you've been doing before you had arthritis. And then one day, you wake up in the morning and you say, Oh my goodness, what's the matter with me? 
your arthritis has come back, it's flared up, you have pain, uh, you cannot move, your whole world seems to stand still at that moment. Let me explain to you what happens with this arthritis flare-up. It is an episode of increased pain, stiffness and fatigue. Now let us stop there. What caused the flare-up? Did you have stress or did you have some kind of problem which has been occupying your mind for days or maybe several months? What actually triggered that flare-up? Let's think about this. I'm going to continue. These intensified arthritis symptoms can come on so suddenly, disrupting your normal routine. Now again, depending on the type of arthritis you have, flares can be brought on by overdoing activities. For example, changing weather patterns, changes to your medication stress, which I mentioned, or sometimes for no apparent reason whatsoever. To minimize the impact of flares and help you recover as quickly as possible, consider the following advice. Rest your body. It may seem like obvious advice, but people who are experiencing an arthritis flare often seem to fight it. Don't fight it. Rest is necessary to recover from a flare. It makes logical sense, doesn't it? Painful joints must be given a break from movement and weight bearing. Remember that it's just temporary, only temporary. And resting will actually allow you to get back to your usual routine sooner than if you did not rest. Please remember this, it's very important. Increase pain medication. If you take an analgesic or painkiller medication as part of your normal treatment regimen, a boost in the dosage may help tame an arthritis flare. We want to control it. We don't want to increase it. And of course, you must still follow directions associated with the medication. Never take more than the maximum allowable dosage. A temporary boost in your medication, however, approved by your healthcare provider may deliver the relief you need. Now I'm coming to the part of a steroid injection. A steroid injection into a joint is an option for pain that is primarily localized and persistent. A steroid injection should not be the first treatment choice when a flare occurs. However, because there are limits regarding how often you can get an injection, generally most healthcare providers recommend no more than two injections in a single joint per year maximum, eh? and no more than four injections in a single joint in a lifetime. Very important. Immobilize the affected joints. Immobilizing a joint by wearing a brace or support can relieve the burden on that joint and relieve pain. The brace or support relieves pain by providing stability, warmth and compression. You might even want to use a hot water bottle, you know, or going from hot to cold compresses, which also helps.
which we're coming now to the heating pads or cold packs. Heat can be very soothing and is a readily available solution when having an arthritis flare. Heat penetrates the muscles and tissues, stimulates blood circulation and can diminish the sensation of pain. When there is swelling around a joint, cold packs may produce more relief by decreasing inflammation. Or you can buy yourself an infrared lamp, they're not so expensive, it helps as well. 20 minutes, um, maybe three or four or five times a day will also help. It's really worth it. Now, we could come to the quick meals ready to go. This might sound a little bit funny, but it does help. An arthritis flare can last one or two days, maybe a week or more. Unfortunately, a flare usually knocks you off your usual routine. And it is unlikely that you will feel like cooking until you get the flare to simmer down. It will help to have easy meals available. You never know when a flare will strike, so be prepared. Freeze leftovers so they are ready to go. Stock, some of, stock up on some of your favorite frozen dinners. If you have nothing on hand, just call for delivery. Easy going, isn't it? Now treat yourself. An unexpected arthritis flare can really bring a person with arthritis right down rock bottom. Despite being compliant with your medications, pacing your activities, getting regular exercise, following joint protection techniques and keeping life on an even keel, flares can happen. Let's be realistic. Try to see through the disruption and discouragement. Be kind to yourself during the flare period. Eat a little comfort food, a little bit of chocolate if you want to, or maybe some ice cream. Be kind to yourself. Put on some relaxing music. We have some beautiful music out there. Yeah, to relax and meditate and take life easier than norm. Grab that book you have been wanting to finish off. Part of treating a flare is healing your spirit. Why not? You deserve it. Now, I'm coming now to the last part of my podcast. How to manage your pain. I'm just you know, trying to pull all those little loose ends together at the end of this podcast that we don't forget our main point of this information. Pain can be caused by inflammation, damage to the joints and muscle tension. It can be worse when you are tired or stressed. Please, dear folks, try to avoid too much on your plate. Try to avoid those stresses if possible. Make a to-do list. Do what is good for you, not for the world out there. It's your health which is important. And when you are tired, you know, mentally tired, when everything is just too much for you, close the book. And start focusing from the inside out and not focusing on the pain and the stress and the people out there and if you have family that you have to do everything for them they're quite capable of doing things for themselves believe you me and if you have a good friend you know a good friend in need is a good friend indeed isn't it <laughs> really don't be ashamed to ask for help when you need it 
Here are some things you can do to manage your pain. Some of them we have discussed before, but I'm going to repeat this again. Taking painkillers. Your doctor or pharmacist can advise you. Exercising regularly to keep the joints moving. Using a hot, a hot warm bath, a heat pack or a hot water bottle or a cold ice pack treatment throughout the day. Looking after your joints by avoiding activities that make pain worse. Using therapies such as massage, acupuncture, a TENS machine or a TENS device with electrical nerve stimulation is very good, especially if you're sitting you know, in front of your computer, at home office maybe, for several hours. You need to have that tense device which will stimulate the nerve in you or the nerve, it will stimulate the nerves in your body and um, also decrease the pain. Or mindfulness techniques. Now I'm coming to some interesting stuff before I end this broadcast. As I mentioned, there was some stuff I wanted to add to this discussion. MSM substitutes may have a moderate effect in improving joint pain and swelling as well as general functional well-being in people with osteoarthritis now msm used to be very good in the uh, animal food business for horses um, dogs um, when they have joint pain so now basically what's good for them is good for us too so i, re- I really would highly recommend that 10 grams or more of collagen peptides taken daily in one or two divided doses for three to five months work well for joint pains. Excellent recommendation. Omega-3 fats, especially from fish, is very helpful for people with inflammatory arthritis, such as rheumatoid arthritis, as well as ankylosing spondylitis and psoriatic arthritis, difficult names to actually um, speak out, um, there is also some evidence that fish oils may help control symptoms of osteoarthritis. I would still take that. I would take high doses of that. And now I'm coming to the last part of this podcast. Cannabis is an anti-inflammatory agent. And the plant has long been associated with a variety of benefits related to pain and inflammation, sleep improvement, depression and or anxiety reduction please ask your local pharmacist if you're living in the states and if medical cannabis is available please speak to your health care taker and ask them if you can get medical cannabis for your inflammation of the joints I cannot um, overemphasize the the treatment here with the collagen peptides, the um, omega-3 fats, cannabis as an anti-inflammatory agent, and MSM. I would add this to your shopping list, but please speak to your um, medical practitioner and ask if that is okay for your particular type of arthritis. 
Thank you, dear listeners, uh, for being patient with me today. Uh, it was a rather long podcast, but I tried to summarize all the main facts as well as offer you a lot of uh, emotional support, both in the area of treatment as well as giving you some confidence mentally, spiritually and physically. Don't give up. You're not alone. and There are a lot of alternative treatments so if you stick to a good exercise program, improve your mindset and also look for some support groups as well as those people who have arthritis, come together. And uh, on online, there is a lot of um, self-help groups of people in similar situations who could be very supportive. As I say, you're not alone and don't isolate yourself Treat this arthritis with care and be kind to yourself and try to prevent those flare-ups from yes, paralyzing your normal daily activities. And um, yeah, take care and all the best. And I hope that this podcast will help you further to combat whatever is troubling you and also how to help you to develop a healthy attitude towards taking care of your arthritis. All the best and God bless Celeste. Welcome, dear listeners, to my podcast today. And the name of this podcast is called The Tuck Tuck Story. This story took place on my last visit to northern Thailand to a beautiful place called Chiang Mai, right up there in the north in the jungle area. And what happened in this beautiful jungle? on this particular day when I was there was absolutely amazing. But before I begin, I would like to mention what I'm going to be talking about first of all. I would like to mention that the essence of Buddhism is sometimes misunderstood by many people out there. And that is why I'm doing this podcast, because I would love to discuss with you about Buddha, the awakened or the enlightened one, as well as discuss what exactly is the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Paths. But let me begin with my story, what happened to me in Chiang Mai. Now, I had just come out of a beautiful temple. Chiang Mai has lovely temples. And as I was putting on my flip-flops outside the temple, I saw Tuk Tuk. And I immediately ran towards the Tuk Tuk, not realizing there were a couple of Buddhist monks sitting in the Tuk Tuk. 
But anyway, I just climbed into this tuk-tuk and pushed my way in between them. Now, of course, they were very quiet but smiling and looking a bit puzzled at this crazy woman taking up all the space in their tuk-tuk. And I looked at them and I said, is everything okay? And they didn't say a word. They kept on smiling at me. And I said, hey guys, is everything okay here? <laughs> and they just looked at me and smiled. And I thought, now what's happening here? Um, I'm sitting amongst all these monks, but nobody's saying a word. And then one of them looked at me and he said, you speak English? I said, yeah, obviously, because I've been asking you um, if everything is okay. And he said, yeah, yes, um, I just want to be friendly. And I said, well, yeah, hi, my name is Celeste, and what's your name? And the rest of them were giggling like little girls. <laughs> and they said, well, normally... A woman does not sit amongst the monks, especially not in a very tight tuk-tuk. So I said, well, this woman is sitting now and I'm not moving out of this tuk-tuk. Take it or leave it. Either you remove yourselves or, um, you know, we're just going to have to discuss this matter further. And they really laughed and said to me, well, it's never happened to them before. There's always a first time. So I said, well, look, you know, what would Buddha do under these circumstances? Can you answer that question? So one of them, you know, said to me, well, he would be happy. And his friend nudged him in the ribs like, you know, what are you saying, you know? He said, oh, well, Buddha would have been happy to have female company. So I said, are you sure? Um, okay, if Buddha was happy or would be happy in this case, then we have no problem with me sitting here, do we? And this is how my friendship developed with these young Buddhist monks. So I said, well, gentlemen, look, you know, we're all sitting in the same boat here, and we all want to travel with this tuk-tuk taxi into the town. So, you know, we're just going to have to um, bear with it. As you say, Buddha would have been happy, so I'm happy. I guess you guys are all happy too. And then, of course, I had a few questions to ask them about the uh, situation with Buddhism and if they could explain to me from their point of view, what is Buddhism? And this is where the interesting part comes and I have summarized now the information, what I learned through their eyes. So bear with me for a second because it's going to be quite a short explanation because otherwise this podcast is going to be too long. I'm here to entertain you and explain the ways of Buddhism that the layman can also understand why it's so important and why it's so beautiful and why many people are there enjoy the philosophy behind it all. Right, so let us begin. Now about 2,500 years ago in northern India, 
Siddhartha Gautama was sitting under the Bodhi tree. Now, what is a Bodhi tree? This actually is a common fig tree. That's why they call it, you know, the Bodhi tree to make it sound a bit more fancy, I guess. <laughs> um, because the Buddha reached enlightenment, which was the Bodhi, and after meditating beneath one such tree for 49 days, he became Buddha, the awakened or the enlightened one. Now, through his deep insight into reality, he destroyed his desire, hatred and ignorance, the chains that bound him to the round of rebirth. And thus he freed himself from all the suffering, all the stress, all those unsatisfactory ways of life. It is interesting to note, however, that Buddha actually came from a very noble family. And he discarded all that wealth to become what he was then, a man with very little possessions. So out of love for the world, the Buddha decided to teach his way to liberation. And when we speak of Buddhism today, we mean this type of teaching, the Dharma. During the 45 years in which the Buddha proclaimed the Dharma, he received many followers. And those followers who in turn freed themselves from suffering formed the Sangha, the noble order of disciples. Let us take a look at the essence of Buddhism. What is it exactly? Now, this word Dharma has several meanings such as the fundamental elements, reality, and universal law. And at the heart of Dharma lie the four noble truths. What exactly are those four noble truths? We'll look at the first one. The truth that there is unsatisfactoriness. What a long word. Buddhists call this unsatisfactoriness dukkha. Now, dukkha is usually translated as suffering because this is often the case from a human experiential perspective. But the essence of dukkha is that there is this unsatisfactoriness in everything. We crave and cling to things full of desire in the hope that they make us happy. However, everything in the world is subject to change, is transient, and therefore cannot give the permanent satisfaction we seek. Now, the second truth, namely that the cause of this unsatisfactoriness is desire. Desire stems from our ignorance of the true nature of things. The Buddha teaches that this ignorance can be destroyed through effort. The third truth is that there is a state of being completely free from this unsatisfactoriness by being free from desire. 
hatred and ignorance. Better known as, in Sanskrit, nirvana. I'll stick to that word nirvana. The fourth truth is the path leading to this liberation, namely the Noble Eightfold Path. This Eightfold Path can be summarized in three trainings. The training in morality, the training in concentration, and the training in wisdom. I want us now, everybody, to look at this Buddhist path before we go on to the next section about the Eightfold Path. These three trainings, morality, concentration and wisdom, actually form the core of the Buddhist path. In order to curb desire and ignorance, wisdom is needed. And the necessary condition for the emergence of wisdom is concentration. It is concentration, this mindfulness, which I often talk about when I am discussing Buddhism. It makes our mind calm, pure and powerful enough to observe reality as it really is. Now my friends, the monks in the tuk-tuk, were talking a lot about this to me. And many of them actually said that the Western mind is so cramped with materialistic ideas, they don't really know what they want from life. And that is why there's a lot of conflict always with the Western mentality when it clashes with the Buddhist mentality. But we're going to look at this picture in a very wholesome way towards the end of this podcast. But I'm not finished. (laughs) I'm still focused on the Buddhist path. An absolute condition for becoming concentrated is that we become aware of our existence, morality, and attach great importance to morally correct behavior. If we exhibit immoral behavior, it is impossible to get concentration. Now we ask ourselves, what exactly is immoral behavior? Because it's really culture specific and this is the question I asked my friends in the tuk-tuk how do you define this word immorality and they said to me be patient please lady be patient I said fine I'll be patient now moral behavior as a condition concentration arises and with concentration as a condition Wisdom arises. It might sound a bit confusing like it did to me at the time sitting there in this cramped taxi (laughs) with my friends. But they try to explain it in very simplified forms. In fact, 
With wisdom you see in the here and now, in the present moment, based on your own personal experience. The true nature of things. Then you can let go for lasting peace and contentment, for lasting happiness. Right, so it all sounds, yeah, very easy in theory, but how do you put this into practice? Well, let's take a look at the characteristics of Buddhism. Buddhism is characterized by the emphasis placed on one's own effort. Okay? The Buddha points the way. He gives you the tools in your hand. He tells you how to use them and what you should do with them. But you have to walk the path yourself. He only gives you the necessary tools. And most students of Buddhism normally have a personal mentor to guide them along, which does help. The path of patience and perseverance, of always trying to be mindful in all kindness towards yourself, helps that concentration to strengthen and is also a foundation which is created where one can obtain these liberating insights in yourself. Huh, it all sounds very complicated, but let's continue now with the path of meditation, which is actually founded in moral behavior so that you become a safe haven for yourself and the world. You are the only one who can walk this path. This is often mentioned, you know, that you are always the only one who can walk this path, slowly but surely, step by step, and no one else can do it for you. Now this will become much clearer to us when we talk about the Eightfold Paths in Buddhism. What exactly now is the Eightfold Path? The Buddhist teaching of the means of attaining Nirvana is often mentioned in Buddhism, this word Nirvana, through rightness of belief, resolve, speech, action, livelihood, effort, thought and meditation. Again, see the Four Noble Truths. Now, why is the Eightfold Path so important to Buddhism? It actually gives the Buddhist a path, a route to take, that they can follow to the end of their suffering. Now, I believe, as my friends told me in the Tak Tak, that nobody actually reaches Nirvana. But it's just to give somebody a kind of a goal to reach for. However, these are not steps but rather eight guiding principles that suggest a way to end your suffering and ultimately achieve the enlightenment. So many people actually ask, how do you practice this in this Western world of today? It's not so easy. 
Well, one of the guys actually said to me, the most important thing that we should remember if you wish to follow this eightfold path is to be ethical in your word, deed and thought. Okay, what does ethics mean to specific cultures and people? And I said, it's very simple. Be a good person, kind, think positively as a moral person. Banish negativity and bring focus to all of your activities. And you'll be happier and more productive for having done so. In brief, I'm going to just discuss some of these elements of the Eightfold Path and not go into the great theories of it. It's just to make us understand exactly what it really means to the Buddhist mind. And um, let's take a look at the first one. It's called the correct view. Okay, so this is an accurate understanding of the nature of things, specifically the Four Noble Truths. The second point is the correct intention, avoiding thoughts of attachment, hatred and harmful intent. The third path, correct speech. Refraining from verbal misdeeds, such as lying, divisive speech, harsh speech, and senseless speech. You know where the old saying goes, think before you act or think before you speak. Then we have the fourth path, correct action. Refraining from physical misdeeds such as killing, stealing, and sexual misconduct. The fifth path, correct livelihood. Avoiding trades that directly or indirectly harm others, such as selling slaves, weapons, animals for slaughter, intoxicants, or poisons. Very interesting. The sixth point, correct effort, abandoning negative states of mind that have already arisen, preventing negative states that have yet to arise, and sustaining positive states that have already arisen. The seventh path, correct mindfulness, awareness of the body, feelings, thought, and phenomena. These are the constituents of the existing world. And the last one, number eight, correct concentration, single-mindedness. Dear listeners, as I understood from my friends in the Tuk Tuk, they said these eight elements are actually portrayed not so much as prescriptions for behavior, but as qualities that are present in the mind of the person who has understood Nirvana. The state of the cessation of suffering and the goal of Buddhism. And according to a more widely used conception, the path to enlightenment consists of a threefold training in ethics, in concentration, 
and in wisdom. Ethics refers to the avoidance of non-virtuous deeds. Concentration refers to the control of the mind. And wisdom refers to the development of insight into the nature of reality. The components of the Eightfold Path are divided among the three forms of training again as follows correct action, correct speech and correct livelihood are part of the training in ethics and this correct effort, correct mindfulness and correct concentration are included in the training in concentration, correct view and correct intention which are associated with the training in wisdom. Right, dear listeners, we have come now to the end of this podcast. And I hope that all of us have a broader understanding of the Buddhist path and the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And to end my little story, I'm sure some of you are asking about those monks in the tuk-tuk. Yes, some of them are still my best friends and we do communicate through internet on social media. So even if they are Buddhist monks, they are not cut off from the outside world as most of us might think so. And because of this wonderful opportunity I had, in the Taktak with these Buddhist monks, they have enlightened my life to a large extent and it's always wonderful to share my experiences with my audience. I hope you have enjoyed my story and if you have any questions to ask, by all means, you know how to get hold of me through my podcast channels and Instagram and I would love to have wonderful discussions with you anytime about my wonderful travels and the Buddhist way of life and Qigong and it's always such a delight to share these experiences with all of you and I can tell you one thing what's most important to my life as well is enriching it with all those people out there and that's the way you know we become a never-ending student of life we never know everything we are still on that path of enlightenment. Again, thank you for listening to me, your host Celeste, and I wish you all the best, and yeah, namaste.